Kia This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kia Wellington. You're listening to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. This is B-Side Stories. I'm your host today. My name's Laura, and I've got a co-host. Kia ora, everyone. My name's Catherine Haddock. Hey, Catherine. So much better. Coming in, coming in. Yes, we're just settling in. For the first half of the show, we're going to be talking all about fresh water. Um, I'm a bit of a city slicker, i got to admit. You just turn on the tap and it comes out, right? Yeah, that's how I, I do it. <laughs> but I think, there's, I think there's more to know. We're going to find out all about it. Catherine, tell me, who are you going to be chatting to in the second half? I'm going to be chatting with Sam Seiniger, who has set up a pop-up sauna on the Wellington waterfront. So kind of water-related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to the to the sauna? I have, and it's delightful, I tell you, in this uh, cold weather. Nothing better than sitting in the sauna. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the sauna as well. Um, but you, when you're really brave, you can bomb into the harbour after you've been. That's right, I'm not quite brave enough for that. <laughs> Maybe Sam will give me some tips later. You can work up to that. Okay, now, but in the first half, to kick off, um, New Zealand has a clean green image but our rivers and lakes are in bad shape. Freshwater species are disappearing from polluted waterways that are also unsafe for people, and two-thirds of monitored rivers are unsafe for swimming. Wetlands and freshwater fish are in trouble. This year, scientists, public health advocates, and environmental organizations launched the Freshwater Rescue Plan. The plan is seven steps for the government to address pollution on rivers, uh, pollution of rivers and lakes and the contamination of freshwater in Aotearoa. So we've got um, several people in the studio today to talk to us about the plan. Um, uh, we've got uh, a Jane, uh, Jane Ruka from the Waitaha Grandmothers Executive Council. Hi, Jane. Hi. Hi, Laura. Hi. Uh, and... We've got Don Rod from Fishing Gate. Good evening. Annabeth Cohen from Forest and Bird. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Annabeth. And uh, Kiriana Stewart uh, from the Public Health Association. Kia Hey, everyone. There's so many people uh, here to talk about fresh water. Um, it must be important or something. <laughs> <laughs> Team coverage. Team. Yeah, that's right. It's a collaboration. So uh, w- what, I'll do, what I'll do to kick off is I'll just get everyone to go around and tell me about the organization that you're here representing and why freshwater is important to them. Yeah, you can go first, Jane. Oh, thanks. I'm Jane Rooker from the Waitaha Grandmothers Executive Council, and we're really... Freshwater is very topical for us. We have a 38 Rivers Conservation Order... Um, issued to the Minister of the Environment and we're concerned about the lack of stewardship from the Conservation Department. Mm. So we're very happy to have this conversation. Fantastic. And I'm Don Rood from Fish and Game. I'm the National Communications Manager. Uh, Fish and Game has a long vested interest in looking after the environment. In fact, we're a statutory organisation. We've been charged by Parliament to look after the uh, environment, maintain and enhance is the phrase, and we're determined to do it. And uh, we are out there a lot of the time. And we um, represent, oh, around about 
80,000, 100,000 anglers and another 40,000 game bird hunters. And uh, we are really determined to make sure that uh, New Zealand's fresh water is in a lot better state than it is in the moment, and we certainly don't want to be going backward. Mm. Thanks, Dan. Annabeth. Hey, I'm from Forest and Bird, and our main thing is giving a voice to nature. Um, so we're all about protecting the habitat, which our freshwater creatures need to survive, um, but also making sure that they're they're well looked after as well. So so we're all about um, a healthy ecosystem. That's what Forest and Bird is advocating for. Mm. Uh, kia ora, I'm from Public Health Association, and we are a membership organisation, we're a non-government group, and our members and the people we work with are working in the public health sector, so they're people who do things like water testing and who do water science and also look after things like infectious disease. So it's a really big issue. Um, people know that we're coming up to the anniversary of the Havelock North outbreak where nearly 40% of the population of the town got sick with a waterborne disease. Yeah. So it matters, heck it matters. Yeah, that's a... That's a really good point, Kiriata, because um, even I, who uh, sp spends most of my time interacting with fresh water from, my, from the tap, uh, have a strong interest in making sure that uh, the, the water we drink and the water that I go anywhere I go in New Zealand is going to be clean for me to drink and consume and safe. So uh, uh, why does New Zealand's fresh water need to be rescued? Do, can we start with you, Kiriata? Mm. Well, as I said, we know that drinking water in New Zealand has got some problems. There are some areas where it's extremely high quality, but it, that's not consistent across the country. And what we found is that there is a lot of drinking water that is not being tested, that we don't know is safe. That, so drinking water is a really big one. We can't survive without drinking water. We can't survive for more than a couple of days. But there's also the fact that we need about 20 litres a day of water, absolute minimum, to, to drink to cook with, to wash. And that's before we even get to growing food, anything else that we've got to do, and that's even before we get to actually going and enjoying the water. Mm. So if we don't have clean drinking water, we've got a bunch of very sick New Zealanders. C can you, from a public health mm. perspective, remind remind me what went wrong in Havelock North that led to the contamination of their water supply? The inquiry is still working on it, mm. but it looks as though there was animal faeces contamination of the water, which led to an outbreak of, you know, I'm not that kind of scientist, of Campylobacter, mm -hmm. which is, if you've had it, it makes you pretty damn sick. Yeah. And because it was drinking water, it was around for a while before anybody noticed it. Yeah. And because it's drinking water, it goes everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Annabeth, why do you think uh, freshwater needs to be rescued? Uh, there are two really important uh, things to say to that. One is the memory um, that most New Zealanders have is that they can get in the water, they can swim in it, they can drink it. I'm talking about rivers and lakes in your backyard, streams um, in your nearby neighbourhoods. Um, but that's changed. That's really changed in the last three decades with the increase of um, intensive dairying and intensive agriculture throughout New Zealand. So, so one reason that freshwater needs to be rescued is to return back to the New Zealand that the generations that are sitting in this room can remember. They have memories, fresh memories from that fresh water. Um, the other thing is is protecting it for our native um, habitat, for our freshwater ecosystems. So if you look at um, 
So the eel, the, the tuna, for example, mm. is in serious decline because of the modifications that we're doing to our waterways for irrigation. Um, and on top of that, a, a number of our freshwater uh, fish and um, other freshwater dependent bird species are at risk. So when the water quality declines, so does the habitat, so does the life of, of native birds and native fish that, that make a part of what New Zealand is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Don. Uh, well, fish and game is uh, really disturbed by the cavalier nature, the cavalier way that the uh, fresh water is being treated. And that's the uh, economic imperative that uh, seems to drive people um, yeah. to take more than the, uh, the, the environment can withstand. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have some rivers in, in Otago where people have the right to extract more water than actually exists in the river. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, how is that a tenable situation? It, it isn't. Mm. And we're fighting to restore a minimum environment, um, environmental flow to rivers like the Lindus. And that's upsetting for some, for some people. But really, I mean, you can't have rivers being drained of their water, literally drained of their water. Mm. But there are other rivers too. The, the Cavalier um, approach that was taken in the Rua Tanifa Dam project, mm. where the uh, original um, proposal was essentially to turn the, uh, the downstream river toxic to fish life by allowing uh, excessive nitrogen and phosphorus. Well, that's just not acceptable. I mean, who, whoever, <laughs> who's the brain trust that's dreaming this stuff up? Mm. And um, we just don't believe that that this can go on. We have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And there is existing law that is supposed to put the environment ahead of mm. the economy. Mm. And that's the Resource Management Act. And that's why some people are very keen on changing the Resource Management Act. We're not keen on the Resource Management Act being uh, changed. We'd like to see it strengthened. And that, that imperative of looking after the environment first ahead of the economy mm. is, is actually done. Because Essentially, there is not going to be an economy if you don't have a healthy environment. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Jane. <clears throat> the Waitaha Grandmother Council is really concerned about our water, freshwater state. Um, we have a history of caring for our waterways in the North Island. Uh, my cousin who organises the environmental rivers patrol, um, has been working with the rivers for 30 odd years. Progressively they've become so bad that he's had to GPS some of the rivers in the north so he can have proof. Now I hear Don speaking about the Regional Management Act mm. but at the moment there's so much confusion where the local groups meet with the regional management people that they don't actually have maybe the time and perhaps finance mm -hmm. to monitor all the um, mm -hmm. that they need to monitor in order for the local situation to improve and of late 70 percent of the north island rivers are gone polluted beyond all our the need to be able to drink out of the water um, we've just become aware that they're now targeting full scale the south island rivers which uh, rather than dealing with one river at a time, which was happening to our, our claim system to protect one river, we started with one and then we got landed with the Arafata water take 
right on top of finishing off the Waitaha River um, submission. Uh, so in order not to then have to fight for an individual river, one at a time up the coast of Tateo Potani, we came to a conclusion we would put it all into a water conservation order so that we didn't have to fight. A, we don't have the finances as grandmothers mm. to do that. That particular um, claim for the submission of the 38 rivers cost us $1,022.22. Um, which well we had a hard, it's well worth it, yeah. but imagine doing that mm. for the 38 other rivers mm, yeah. individually and supplying all the scientific detail that's required before mm, you can yeah. apply. Mm. Um, so that's our real concern is rather than being attacked for one river at a time, we'd be attacked for the multiple rivers and get done with it instead of allowing these troll-like things to <laughs> pop up at us individually. Yeah. We've now got a blanket over it. Hopefully <laughs> that will work. Yeah. Can you uh, explain, um, I guess we've had a bit of talk about irrigation schemes and intensive farming. Is that... Are those the main risks to our water, or are I, we being too greedy? Are we taking too much? Well, intensification of farming, and before it gets to blame the farmer, there are groups of farmers who do practice regenesis of farming, mm. which it doesn't allow for that multiple 500 cows per a small acreage. And this isn't intended towards the farming community mm. wholesale, because some of them have very good practices but the majority are intensification farmers. And that's really the point of all New Zealand's pollution because the government encourages it and allows for huge mm -hmm. sums of money mm -hmm. to be spent on aquifers. Mm -hmm. uh, grandmothers aren't oblivious to the state of where we are. A lot of us all over New Zealand grandmothers mm. are in these types of forums mm. um, having our say about them and, and we don't allow uh, people to forget that grandmothers can come out and bring their families with them um, in order to try to rectify the state of our freshwater situation. Mm. Thanks Jane. Yeah, uh, okay, shall we talk about the plan? What's in this rescue plan that's going to uh, save us? It's got seven steps, uh, and I just sort of wanted to very informally kind of walk through them and talk about each one and kind of test them out, see why each one's important. So first off, we've got um, uh, setting strict enforceable water quality standards based on human and ecosystem health limits. Like, don't, don't we already have uh, water quality standards? We do. We have the National Policy Statement for Freshwater Management, um, and throughout that document, um, the words ecological health and human health are, are littered throughout, um, as if the intent is to deliver that. Hmm. But unfortunately, the bottom line thresholds on many of those contaminants that the government is, is requiring regional councils to measure and, and track, actually those bottom lines represent something that's not compatible with ecosystem health or human health. Um, and oftentimes these bottom lines are called toxicity. It's the threshold between what's considered toxic and not toxic. So at a point at which water reaches that level, we are already in serious trouble with regards to health. 
both human and ecosystem. Hmm. So what we're asking for is really true standards that will deliver human and ecosystem health. Is that something that has like degraded over time or or we just never had real strong standards to begin with? Does anyone know? We did have strong standards in mm. 2003. Mm. Yeah. Um, with the MPS 2014 for freshwater management, mm. um, they went down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this year, the government's released a new consultation document mm. under the Clean Water Package, which actually reverted um, the same weightable standards to a now new term, swimmable standards. So it sounds great, but it actually doesn't deliver much more protection for human health or ecological health. Mm. Um, the government has consulted on that, on that mm. document, and we're waiting to hear back in the next month what the results will be. And mm. we're all fingers crossed, mm. hoping that they will come forward with better standards for human health. But um, there probably Absolutely. won't be much change to the ecosystem health aspect of it. Mm. Our, our concern is mm. that actually the, the latest... Uh, attempt to set a swimmable standard has actually lowered the standard down to the mm. pollution rather than eliminating the pollution and raising the standard. Mm. And that just seems to defy logic, really. Yeah. Okay. Step two. Uh, uh, step two in the plan, withdraw all public subsidies of irrigation schemes. Do we, I mean, that's big business, right? Are we going to miss out on all that money that well, it's a matter of getting it in, into perspective. Mm. You can't trade off one at the expense of another. Mm. And you can have yeah. the economic inputs. Tourism is now bigger than, uh, mm. than farming as mm. an income earner. And the thing is, with tourism or swimming in the water or fishing, as, as our licence holders are, are interested in, mm -hmm. the key thing there is that you can still use the water afterwards. But the way the intensive farming is, uh, is trending at the moment... That's not always the case. And before we get too hooked up on, on farming, a lot of towns and cities need to pick up their acts too. I mean, everyone at a minimum should have a proper um, sewage treatment scheme that uh, does not uh, involve just dumping effluent straight into rivers or, or um, out and out to sea either. It's got to be treated and treated properly. And there are very advanced ways of doing that now. So there's no excuse for not actually doing it. Mm. Yes. In effect, irrigation can see the delivery of effluent in the form of runoff into the waterways. So, so in effect, with intensive um, agriculture, you've got all of these cows that are pretty much with untreated sewage going, their effluent, their poos and their peas going right into the water. Mm. So you wouldn't see that happen in a city. Mm. <laughs> so why are we seeing it happening in the countryside? Sure. Yeah. And like, well, I didn't realize this until I read the plan, but mm. we spend a lot of money on um, subsidies for irrigation for farming, mm. right? Mm. Mm. Yeah, currently earmarked half a billion nearly, mm. yeah. So, uh, which kind of leads on to step three, invest in an agricultural transition fund to support the country's shift away from environmentally damaging farming methods. What, do, what, do, what does that mean, really? Well, despite some of the agricultural industry's um, uh, desire, and a lot, mm. a lot of people as Shane said, do work very hard in, in mm. the, the farming yes. sector to improve standards. We actually, Fish and Game gives awards to farmers who, who are environmentally sustainable and do an excellent job. And the last winner was a dairy farmer. So we're not opposed to all dairy farmers. Yeah. Mm. But some of the farming practices, such as the, the feedlots the, um, yeah. and the, the winter, winter feeding and the spray and prey, is just dumping so much sediment and filth into the rivers that it's just 
beyond belief that uh, anyone could think that that was acceptable. Mm-hmm. So we take that um, $480 million that's uh, set aside for irrigation schemes and turn it into something that can help farmers become more sustainable. Is that the mm-hmm. idea? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, implementing strategies to decrease cow numbers. How, how has this been received when you chat to people about the freshwater rescue plan? I think maybe six months yeah. ago it probably would have been shocking to the average New Zealander, but yes. now we've got even the Minister for Primary Industries, Nathan Guy, has said the same thing himself. Mm. So I don't know if it was the NGOs talking so much about it, you know, mm. banging the old drum, yeah. but um, it seems to be widely suge- um, accepted, mm. wouldn't you say? It's, it's certainly the first question that you get asked by a lot of people um, in the media, but also just when we've been you know, talking to our members and talking to friends and family about it is what's going to be the impact of that. But one of the things that we've seen and we know that some of the collaborators in this, this plan are working on is how you can, in fact, get greater value with smaller stock numbers. And mm-hmm. if their money is redirected to helping that, to piloting things, to giving people opportunities to trial new ways to do things, I think that is a, it is a possibility. Mhm. 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 Okay, it's possible. Insti- uh how about this one? Instigating polluter pays systems for New Zealand. Um impossible or possible? <laughs> well, any anything is possible. Let's not rule that out. But but I think that is where the, mm. the wake up call will come for a lot of towns and cities too, mm. is because they are involved in this too. It's not mm. it's all very well to sit back and uh, point, you know, sip your latte and point to the people in the countryside is not pulling S- their weight. Sip, actually, sip your latte full of milk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or soy decaf. That's true. <laughs> but you've got to actually start pulling your weight too. And that involves, you know, is your water system clean? Yeah. Is your wastewater system acceptable? Yeah. It's all that sort of the runoff also happens in the towns and cities. Yeah. And if the polluter's not if the polluter is not paying for the damage that they're doing, basically they're passing that cost mm. on to future generations. Mm. And so we don't think that that's really fair that, you know, you should be born anyone should be born into this um, you know, polluted freshwater environment. I mean, the grandparents, the grandmothers of today remember mm. being born into a very clean New Zealand freshwater environment. Mm. So I think Jane would agree. Yeah, but absolutely. Mm. Yeah. We, we don't want to. The state of the rivers at the moment, in fact, there are very few, probably left on the west coast of the South Island, mm. that you could say were clean enough for you to go and sip out of, but then you even have to choose which one. Mm. Um, there isn't anywhere, and I don't know how the government gets away with calling us clean and green. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And it's yes. still out there that we're clean and green. Yeah, that's right. And the other thing too is that uh, you know the average member of the public, you know, they, they don't have to be a member of uh, one of our organisations. They can think about supporting uh, initiatives. At the moment, there's a, an attempt to get a water conservation order on the uh, Nauroro River in the Hawke's Bay. Mm. That's mm. a beautiful river. It starts up in the, the, the Kaimanawas and flows out to sea mm. at Clive. Mm. And um, we're coming up against all sorts of uh, pressure. Uh, from Irrigation New Zealand who's railing against it and saying the limits are, are, are too too much. But actually those limits exist at the moment. We're not trying to change them. We just mm. want to see them enforced. Mm. And I think it's uh, th- this is an initiative that's driven by 
local iwi, the mm. local Hawke's Bay community, yeah, right. and, and, and local recreational groups to try mm. and preserve a river. And the Water Conservation Order means it's a national park status for that mm. river. Mm. And when you think of how New Zealand is blessed with so many rivers, lakes and streams, that we only have 15 of them protected. Only 15 of them are protected. That's pretty poor. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is, it, is a polluter pays system, it, does that mean like I have to pay to use the water? Or no. how, how is that imagined? Just, um, well, the way in which the polluter would have to pay is really mm-hmm. up to New Zealanders to decide. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is we're putting on the table the fact that there, there doesn't exist a penalty for someone who pollutes at the moment or, or some industry who that pollutes the, the waterways. And so what we want to do is say, hey, we need to actually hold the responsible party accountable to clean it up and to pay for what the damage they've done. Um, so the way in which we institute that is really up to the conversation that's had in the future among New Zealanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also the, the, the agricultural industry shouldn't be treated separately. If it was a steel mill or a paint mm-hmm. factory or a lead battery factory, mining, mining yes. just pouring the stuff into the rivers, people would be upset, mm. and justifiably so. Mm. So it, it, it's the, the river is dirty. It doesn't matter how it happened, but the mm. person who did it must take responsibility. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, point number six in the Freshwater Rescue Plan, address the performance of regional councils on improving water quality through quarterly reports to Ministry for the Environment. That kind of thing, is, it, is that missing? What, what's going on there that we need um, that reporting? Currently, the regional councils aren't really required to report back to the Ministry for the Environment on on any sort of uh, breaches that they may prosecute or try with regards to uh, the regulation. So, so regional councils will set certain rules for the area, and then they're meant to enforce those rules. And we're not really sure, we can't be sure that the regional councils are, in fact, enforcing those rules. Um, so what we'd like to do is, is create some accountability between regional councils and the, the local communities um, to the national government so that that way, you know, the average person can see um, how many breaches have been brought to court or, or what has what's happened really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and, and obviously part of that is we would like that information not just go to the Ministry for the Environment but to go to the public. Yeah, so absolutely. So that the public can participate. a certain amount of accountability about yeah, that. Yeah, the more transparency, the more accountability. And... Um, the seventh and last part of the Freshwater Rescue Plan, establish a whole-of-government process to develop a long-term vision for the transition of New Zealand to a low-carbon, greener economy. Uh, this one seems a bit high-minded. Um, it's not really about freshwater, uh, is it? Well, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, everyone has a opinion on this one. Absolutely. Yeah, um, what is it? Something like 50% of our uh, emissions, our greenhouse gas emissions, are coming from the agriculture sector. Mm. So absolutely... Um, we need a low a low carbon economy, and then that really does start with agriculture sector. The other thing that I think I really point out here is the whole of government approach. That's right. So right now we've got the Ministry for Primary Industries who's putting half a billion dollars to incentivize irrigation, 
and on a massive scale, that amounts to pollution. So they're incentivizing pollution in a way. Um, and that doesn't really sit compatibly with the mission of the environment, uh, the Ministry for the Environment or the Department of Conservation, who's meant to be protecting these freshwater environments. So whole of government means that you've got a mission, and it's not necessarily the economy, but you've got a mission that's compatible and that they can work together, as as Don was saying earlier. We need um, the, the environment to come first and, and not that's at the right. sacrifice of the economy shouldn't be sacrificing the environment. Mm -hmm. Climate change has also got other potential impacts on water. So I was in Australia recently, and they are very, very concerned about rivers drying up. Now, some of that is irrigation, quite a bit of it's irrigation, but some of it is just consistent high temperatures. We don't want to see that in New Zealand. We don't want to lose the freshwater sources. As we know, we're already losing rivers to, due to irrigation, due to other things. So climate change could have a lot of impacts on the quality of water, the um, the warmth of water, which would mean that some of the the nasties are now going to go quicker. Mm -hmm. um, particularly in summer, they do, they do multiply in hot water. So we've got a whole lot of potential damage to the water system as well as to the ecosystem as a whole. It is all one package. Mm. The seventh no, point also underscores that actually we don't in New Zealand do very well at the, uh, the planning for the future. In fact, mm. we do. Mm. Badly. <laughs> and that's what is required, is actually to sit back and have to take a strategic look at where we need to be. And you probably need to go forward 20, 20 years and look back and say, how did we get here? And so what what is the planning that is required to actually go through those steps? And we're not doing that very well at all. Fish and Game would actually like to see some sort of futures commission established mm. that sits down and seriously looks at what we, the legacy we're going to leave for our future generations, because mm. we're not doing it at the moment. Mm. No. I would love to um, do one, one more time sort of around the table and just hear from everyone about if, if the freshwater rescue plan was successful, successfully implemented, what would the future, how would the future be different um, for young people in New Zealand and, and people who enjoy our rivers and lakes? Um, what do you think? Kiriata, can we start with you? I was thinking today about uh, a bit of history. The, back in the 80s, there was a, a proposal in Taranaki to pollute the, the river. Uh, the Waitara River, the Awakairangi River, as ancestors used to call it. And it was one of the first times that the Taranaki, we got together and advocated, took a Waitangi tribunal claim, and we made a difference to that river instead of having sewage which was dumped in it, which was going out to sea and taking our reefs with it. The, just the getting together and thinking about what the meaning of that water was was hugely important to us. So from a Māori perspective, water is... I would love for the future generations to be able to come back to the things, the rituals we used to perform with water, the way we valued water, why Māori fresh water was so important to us. I would love future generations to be able to see what we did in the past and to be able to do it for themselves. Mm. Annabeth, what do you think? Kia ora. Um, I would think that it means um, particular birds returning to uh, freshwater habitats, more eel swimming upstream and um, and just different species re repopulating the freshwater habitats. I mean, I'd love to see, you know, New Zealand frogs returning to the wild and, and just, you know, a 
a better uh, ecological system that that is really working to keep the water clean and 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 be there for for the benefit of every, everyone, including their own their own special existence. Mm. Well, John, I'd like to see the, the the basic premise of being a swimmable, fishable, and safe to gather food from. Mm. I mean, it doesn't seem much to ask, and I think New Zealanders have the um, are generous in granting the right to people to make money. You know, we do need mm. to make money. We need to have a vibrant economy, but we don't want to see that abused and taken for granted and taken away from us. That's what I want to see. Is is back to a more stable and sensitive sort of approach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Jane? I'd really like to see in the future is input from communities in the management level of our fresh waterways, um, not leaving it dependent on conservation departments, environmental ministries. I'd like a team of learned, ordinary folk even academics in this group of management, to have a plan for the future where community can participate and we have a say about who's going to take our water. And I mean all across the board for New Zealand mm -hmm. so that we have a, a group, a committee group of ordinary academics, ordinary people, iwi people, mm -hmm. just a group of ordinary folk who aren't dependent on elections and who aren't dependent on whether or not it's got poo in it or the level of poo is increased mm. so that they can claim it's labelled as weightable. Mm. Who wants weightable if you can't drink it? Do you know, this is we're passing this on to our generations. Therefore, we should all have a say in a management of that. It isn't hard to do. They can make regional management committees. They can make a regional ordinary people committee. So let's look at that. Well, fish can't wear waders. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Laura, before we go, could I mention the other organizations that are involved? Tell mm. me about all the organizations that are we've involved in the Freshwater the, Rescue Plan. We've got the Tourism Export Council, Greenpeace, Fish and Game, who's here in the room, Orotayo, which is the New Zealand Climate and Health Council. We've got mm. the Federated Mountain Clubs, uh, World Wildlife Fund, New Zealand, Forest and Bird, we've got um, the Public Health Association, Choose Clean Water, New Zealand Recreation Association, the New Zealand Federation of Anglers, mm -hmm. and uh, Whitewater NZ, Action Station, Pure Advantage, ECO, and the Waitaha Grimal Executive Council. So um, we make up a huge amount of New Zealand, and so join us and join the Freshwater Rescue Plan if you... Tell people how they can join up if they want to support the Freshwater Rescue Plan. Well, any of the organizations that I mentioned would um, definitely benefit from your support because we're out there on your behalf fighting for a better environment um, and we're taking the government to toll um, to account, holding them to account on, on the things that they need to do to pr provide a better freshwater environment. So supporting one of those organizations, talking to your neighbors and, and Fano about uh, what the Freshwater Rescue Plan means um, and... Voting. I mean, this is the mm. year. It's a political year. You've mm. got to get out there and vote smart. Don't just vote because that's what your granddad told you to vote for, but actually look at the issues. And if freshwater matters to you, we're going to put out a report card uh, in a month's time which tells you what how the political parties stack up against the freshwater rescue plan. So have a look out for that. Fantastic. Um, it's been great hearing everyone's stories and talking about this very important issue of freshwater uh, today on B-Side Stories. Thanks everyone for coming in. Oh, thanks no Laura. Thank you. It's good to be Thank here. You.